Hello, and welcome to Karma Club, a weekly salon for serious thinkers hosted by Dr. Francine Hardaway. Karma Club is streamed live on several platforms and is also downloadable as a podcast. Support the show by buying Karma Coins at rally.io slash creator slash karma. Welcome. Uh, we'll be starting shortly. The show is a multicast between Clubhouse, um, Twitter Spaces, as well as Colin, and everyone's welcome to uh, talk. It, so please join us as well um, once that room has started. Uh, welcome to Karma Club. It's a weekly salon for intelligent and thoughtful people to discuss complex topics. And this this week we are discussing whether we can have democracy without religious tolerance and freedom. And I have some uh, really strong feelings about this, and I am prepared to enforce tolerance in the room anyway. But let me tell you my feelings first, because they'll give you context. A friend of mine's husband, who was recently deceased, wrote a book called uh, the it, I think it's the origin of the Jewish people. Anyway, whatever whatever the title is, doesn't matter so much is that the thesis of it is absolutely amazing. It's that the people who established the Jewish religion established it because they were looking for a way to stop human ritual sacrifice and they wanted one way uh, one set of common laws, and, and and so they created this set of common laws out of uh, prevalent myths at the time. And the goal was that this this set of common laws would stop all the tribal things that were going on. And the author of the book, Stephen Meadow, was a really, really good friend of mine and a brilliant dude, says that it, there's not a lot of evidence that the uh, founding fathers, so to speak, of the Jewish religion even believed in God, but what they wanted was for everyone else who was not um, educated to believe in God so that... Um, so that there would be law, basically law and order. And I think from there, uh, we see a lot of the beginning of the at least uh, Abrahamic religions. And quite frankly, and I'll start the room with this, I don't believe in God. So I'm, I have uh, no religious uh, favoritism because I have no religion. I just believe in living a moral and good life and living it according to whatever principles people uh, as those that that govern the society that I happen to be in. And so I'm, I'm convening this room to talk because I've seen so much in the last four or five years, hatred of Jews, hatred of, of Sikhs, hatred of Hindus, hatred of Muslims. And it, it's, um, it's all 
supposedly religion-based, but the way I feel about religion is completely different. And so I'm going to set the stage for all of this by telling you that if you are in the room today, you are get going to get five karma coins. You just have to follow the link that Heyman is going to pin at the top of the room. Um, and you are entitled to get five free karma coins, um, which are the cryptocurrency that I use to support this room. And that's because I want you to support the room. And I'm also, um, I'm also celebrating Black History Month. The, um, the person that, uh, that is in my PTR is Pearl Bailey who is a very famous um, actress and comedian from my childhood. She was a friend of my family, and she was the one who set all of my, she and Billy Daniels and a couple of other um, leading black musicians of the time set my family's attitude um, toward the black community and made it one of love. And yeah, we live in a world that has um, white supremacy built into the language. And yes, Francine, did we uh, lose you? Oh, I muted myself. Ah. But I choose, I choose to uh, kind of ignore that. Anyway, I invited Anurag here today because Anurag is from um, the Eastern religions, and he has a completely different uh, view from the Western religions. So, Anurag, would you mind introducing yourself and then talking about what you, um, what you said to me when I met you last week that made me love you instantaneously? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that was uh, that was raising the bar for <laughs> for introductions. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, thank you for for giving me space and uh, allowing me to to share my opinion. Yeah, I personally feel that um, you know most of uh, all of the religions, not most, all of the religions, obviously, started with an experiential way of life uh, by the by the people who were very deeply touched by something phenomenal within themselves. Um, so they, they obviously try to help everybody around them to experience the same, um, same depth of, of um, human experience within themselves. And to do that, they obviously enacted a framework which people could follow and really attain or that same experience within themselves. But over time, obviously humans, we humans have this, this tendency to make this, um, a journey, uh, a, a very firm and a tight-knitted identity, uh, which then actually uh, makes us feel different from others. And we then get so identified with that identity that we then try to kind of build walls amongst ourselves. So so just imagine a, a freeway um, from a city A to a city B. Um, you know, lanes are open, you can move from one lane to another, easy going, life is easy, go to fast lane, come to slow lane, fine, you know, it'll go nicely. Now you've got walls and you are 
you know, you have to go that way. And, you know, this is the way you go to go. But instead of lanes, just imagine there are walls now. So that's where it becomes very difficult because now you're in your identity. You become so strongly identified with it that I'm this. And, and then that's where we lose the entire, um, entire endeavor of this, of this something we call it as religion. Uh, what I also feel is that when, when these walls are so strong, then, uh, that, and the identities are so, so tightly knitted, the ability for people to ask the question is also a kind of locked. For example, you said, um, I, I, I'm not identified with any, any religion. I'm, I don't, I don't think there is any God, which is absolutely the right, right thing to do. Because if you don't know, you don't know, right? And you are honest in admitting it. And I think that's, that's, that allowance or that room for people to ask sincere questions about life should always be kept in any society, which makes sure that even if you do not want to follow a particular lane, a particular religion, a particular uh, path, then still there is a new path you can create because you are sincere. You are, your, your inquiry is strong. You are, you're, 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 you're inquisitive about what you want to achieve. So yeah, that's where I'll end. Um, no stronger identities. We should not have them. Uh, be, you know, keep the path fluid so that even if there is a person like yourself or like me, you know, it's all about experience. Can you experience something deeper within yourself? That should be there for, for people who have this strong longing, intense longing to achieve something deeper. Thank you. That was perfect. That's what I hoped you would say. That's what you said last week. You said, what we do is we are all walking the same path and then sudden, and then we get on different lanes and then the religions come along and the religions establish walls and I, I'm stunned by how high the walls become on Clubhouse. And it was very reinforcing for me to read my friend Steve's book and find out that, yes, you know, it's very possible that even the people who, quote, invented, unquote, the Jewish religion, put it together from prevailing myths of the time and didn't really um, didn't didn't really um, necessarily believe in it, but just understood that there had to be a way for people to live together. And we are having what I think is a very difficult time uh, living together nowadays. And I'm trying to make it easier you know to make for people to live together in a democracy because i think our biggest problem has to do with whether we can have a democracy without um, religious tolerance um sim did you have a con contribution you wanted to make thank you dr francine uh thanks for inviting me uh, i spoke to you last week uh, after the karma club room um, so, uh, you know, we made a connection and I'm glad to be here today. Um, just by way of introduction, uh, I live in the United States. I'm from India. I'm a practicing Hindu. Um, I loved what Anurag said. I loved what you said. Um, I think, um, you know, last week's session when you were talking about democracy, it really got me thinking about how, you know, all these uh, societies are springing up now uh, in the last 
400, 500 years practicing democracy. And, you know, we have these ancient um, uh, civilizations from across the world whose generations now are, you know, kind of co-mingling and intermingling. And they bring with them uh, their own ethno-religious dynamics. And, um, you know, when they come and um, participate in these uh, modern democracies and they create their own democracies, uh, they have, you know, different dynamics that is not expected. And then their second generation, you know, many of them fall, you know, they follow the same path of what you and Anurag so beautifully said, which is, you know, kind of breaking down the walls and, uh, you know, kind of recognizing the truth of the experiential part of it. Uh, but then, you know, they are subject to some of the uh, dynamics from their home countries, as well as their home civilizations, and some of the new uh, new uh, uh, dynamics that they get exposed to in their new countries. And I think that is a very complicated um, equation, but it is not. It, there are many threads, and it can be unraveled to study it better. So that, you know, one of the things to solve for these problems is to recognize them initially. Um, and I think we are going through the great churn uh, where we are uh, willing to talk about it and to recognize those threads and to unravel them. So I'm excited that you're holding this room and I'm uh, happy to listen and happy to contribute. Thank, oh, you. thank you. Thank you, Sim. Elijah, who did, Hello. You, who did your new Abby, honey? It's beautiful. Oh, um, do you know Stacy Gordon? She's a Muppeteer um, with Sesame Street. Her puppet uh, has I autism. Do. Yes. Oh. Yeah, so she was doing these drawings the other night. Oh, that's really lovely. Elijah, introduce yourself. Happy Black History Month. We are doing. Thank you very much. I see you still have your PTR from Monday, from Tuesday. Yeah. Well, you know who my PTR is. I told the room at the very I do. And I'm going to keep it. Pearl Bailey was a very, very good friend of my family when I was growing up. And she's the one who, who she's one of the people who connected me um, to the culture when I was very young. And then I moved away from New York to Arizona and uh, kind of lost touch with it until I got on Clubhouse. And then I found my home again. So uh, this is in memory of Pearly May, Re really an amazing. Gotta love Pearly, Auntie Pearly. Really? Well, you know what? I wanted to just um, sort of respectfully confront your, your word usage here because tolerance, I went to uh, look up the etymology of, uh, you know, of tolerate and tolerance, and it's to endure pain. So is it really, is it painful to endure loving other hu humans? Is that painful? No, like, no, that, is, that, is a, that is a very poor word choice on my part. And well, I, I, I love you dearly, and I, you know, I, you know, respectfully. No, respectfully, respectfully, thank you. Because I really didn't mean tolerance. I started out, I think, by, I started out, by titling the room pluralism and and what i meant was all religions you know i was a literature student and there was a 19th century poet uh, named uh, william blake and william blake basically wrote a line 
uh, a, a number of lines that I still remember uh, 60 years later. And one of them was all religions are one. And that, frankly, is the closest thing to my belief system. So poor Heyman, he's trying to- I believe it's just ge geography and language and time that has separated our understanding of religion and what breaks up the religions to me. A lot of the yeah. stories have the same roots and or uh, the same like uh, uh, skeleton or structure. And, and that again is what Steve Steve Meadows' book um, points out. Because he, he, and Steve Meadows pointed that out, and then uh, Joseph Campbell also pointed that. Absolutely, out. I love Joseph Campbell. I'm a PBS queen. I grew up on PBS, so. <laughs> I'm going to look up the correct name of Steve Meadows' book because I know that my friend Roz is in the audience, but she would never raise her hand. I think acceptance is really the word. Um, you know, can we have democracy without acceptance? Yes, that is that is the actual. Okay, it's called The Creation of the Jewish People. And it is available. I'm pulling the link, and I'm hoping that Heyman will put it up there. Let me ask you a question. Let me be super controversial respectfully, because we can do that with each other. Yes. So, I mean, because I've had this question with people before, and I'm not sure exactly why Whoopi Goldberg got suspended. I don't want to get into that. But do you define uh, Judaism? Wait. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even want to go there. But do you define Judaism or, or being Jewish as a race? Do you find yourself? Do you, do you are you defined by race or by religion, or both? Oh well, I don't believe in. Anything. I know you don't follow either of them, but like <laughs> your understanding right. of the thing. I I. I'd be I glad to speak to that. Jake would like to speak. I, I I'll tell you first of all that in my own personal case, um, I believe in culture. I think the Jews are a culture. But go ahead, Jake. You probably know a lot more than I do. Yeah, I know some things about some things. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm Jake, and I'm meeting a couple of people today for the first time. But Elijah, I, uh, I I love the way you brought that question in, just, just to say. Um, I think that... Well, I've asked it before. It's not the first time I've ever asked a Jewish friend that before, because I, I don't really understand. I, I, I can fully imagine that, and, and um, I don't think there's a number of times you could ask the question and actually get a complete or final answer. Or, yeah, you get different answers from different people, but I'm going to stay out of it. So, Jewishness, <clears throat> like, like, we are a diaspora people. Um, and and <clears throat> anytime, anytime you try to pin down, like, is it a religion, is it a, a culture, is it what have you, one of the things we run up against really fast is that uh, like we through diaspora, like our survival has a lot dependent on our figuring out strategies and and working things through in ways where, um, in ways where we actually push up hard against the the use of definitions to um, control groups and to enact state violence. Uh, and so, when you say we, meaning who do you mean by we? We as in we as in Jewish people speaking as okay okay okay. Now uh, is this so, Jew, Jewish by religion or race for you or both? 
so I am religiously Judaic. Like my Judaism is my religion and Judaism is, is the primary religion practiced by Jewish people, not exclusively by like it, that. Again, these are complicated questions. Um, the, so a, just for, just for framing purposes, one of the, the ways I have set stuff up, uh, is sometimes or sometime around, um, like I literally almost opened a room about it, knowing good and well I would get you know nuanced a- answers without argument, you know, around this, you know, because I don't know what exactly would be said. Um, so I'm not going to go there. Maybe you know, or maybe you can re—I don't know—give your interpretation of it. But I'm so going on mute. The <laughs> so one, I think the like uh, th- this is where things get tricky, right? The the stuff that Whoopi said she was saying it in the middle of a conversation and the conversation was about why is there a movement in the U S that is yanking books and why specifically did that movement target mouse? And for me, what frustrates me about a lot of the conversations about what did Whoopi say is it's microanalysis of like exactly what were her words? What, you know, what was she right about? What was she wrong about? And, and, and skipping over the fact that she was talking about the Holocaust, she was talking about her awareness of race, her understanding of the Holocaust, her understanding of all those things as a way of, of contesting the simple claim that, oh, people were objected to Mao's because there are nudity scenes. And, and like, she was, like, she was messy. She was complicated. She did exactly what they do on The View, which is just think out loud and, and, to, and did so in a way to disrupt a simple story and a very dangerous, simple story, the idea that, oh, we just pulled this book because there's nude scenes in it. So I, I am really, really, I have been and will be continue to be really resistant to try to pin down like exactly what, did she say something right or wrong when what she was up there doing was saying, this stuff is complicated. The movement to ban books, the movement to yank books out of schools is itself, like that is a, a rising reactionary propagandistic hate movement. Um, and one that a lot of people participating in are not aware of what kind of thing they're participating in. And, and any like micro focus on, on like, did Whoopi say the right thing or the wrong thing? And what did she understand is hyper focusing on Whoopi Goldberg instead of talking about the rising, uh, reactionary hate movements in the U S. Um, and, and in turn, we've seen like people who are watching most, are most of which was directed at black people, but those people who are, you know, vehemently, you know, uh, anti everything but whiteness, you know, they're like, yeah, let's just, let's just throw Jewish people in there too. Anything they got to say, you know, is next. That is what has happened. Thing that I, has can, happened. I, I can mic off, but I don't think it was arbitrary to throw Jewish people in next. I think that like. There, there is a very regular progression of how this stuff works. Not, it's not ever lockstep, but like we Jewish people, we many of us knew, and we didn't do a good enough job of mobilizing ourselves. But we knew when they were going after critical race theory that they were going to be coming after Jewish history too. Like we knew that. Okay, and because they know when they look at reparations for Jews, they're going to have to look at reparations for Africans in the same Stop conversation, it. in the same 2022 that we live in now. I also have a commentator Stop from Call Inside. Reset the room with the, the atmosphere that I want, <laughs> since it is my room. Go ahead, my mother. Life. Go ahead, mother. Yes, Grandma. Um, here's here's <laughs> Abuela, here's the deal. 
You are eligible if you click on the link for five free karma coins that I'm giving away during Black, or we, the Karma Club, are giving away during Black History Month. And the whole idea of these is to get more people on the same page. So, Elijah, what you were saying, you know, what everyone says about the difference between Blacks and Jews, what people say about the difference between the Hindu Sikhs and the and the. And the um, non-Hindu sympathizing Sikhs, all of these kinds of things that have happened, that have been happening in the world lately. I am a drop in the bucket or a puddle in the ocean, but I'm going to, uh, but please click on the link and claim your five free karma coin and just hang on to them and let them help you remember, you know, that the world is more than just hatred. And in addition, that that stuff is going to allow you, the five karma coins are going to allow you into the karma club discord channel and in from the karma Club club discord channel you will be able to get the nfts of my writing and i've been writing for many many years and right now i happen to be writing on web3 and changes in money but i write on lots of different things and it's worth it just to get access to the writing and to get access to the other people who are in the karma club so please do that, Be, and I'm, I'm going to keep doing this. I always forget to reset the room, but this from now on, I'm going to reset it more often because what I, what I want is for people to understand that it, what's more important than anything else <clears throat> is the karma. And, it, you know, it's critical. And, yes, Elijah, um, and Jake, I thought of all people to, you know, to suspend for her views, Whoopi Goldberg is about the most ridiculous one. And it's kind of gotten, shows us the place we've gotten to, which is uh, not even, not even a uh, reasonable place. We're here, 2022. Chinese New Year, New Moon, end of Mercury retrograde, Mercury goes direct. (laughs) Who are we now? Who are we? Elijah. Black History Month. Yeah, what does Mercury is in retrograde mean? People keep saying that to me. Well, I was born in Mercury retrograde, so I don't get the same effects. Uh, as a lot of people, even though the last one really fucked me up, but uh, excuse my French. Um, but it, 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 it's um, I can't describe it in an ast- like an astronomer or an uh, astrological person. But it's basically like um, Mercury is the planet of communication, so um, it is moving in a retrograde, whatever that means, and um, so communication, transportation. Technology gets wonky. A lot of things happen. Uh, fights happen. Um, um, yeah, miscommunication, being late for whatever. 
a lot of things like a lot of missteps can happen um, during Mercury retrograde. To my understanding, I'm not an astrologer, and we don't have to talk about astrology, even though we, we're talking about karma. <laughs> it's just that it's people always tell me that Mercury is in retrograde and use it as an excuse for everything, and I just don't know what it means. Anurag, you on Yes, I was gonna. Yes, I was gonna actually, um, you know, weave both the the points which made by Lizia and Jake, and all, you know, and and the, and the planetary aspect as well into a conversation. So, to your point, Alija, absolutely, planets have the the ability to to create a. Um, because they are such heavenly bodies, such a such a big, big, humongous, right? There is absolutely an impact. Um, uh, a heavy object in the corner at home, you're sitting in one corner, put a one big drum up to the ceiling, it will have an impact on you because mentally you'll feel like, what the heck, why is it here? So it, they do have impact, but hang on. Does it mean that we can never come out of it? We can, absolutely we can, because that's the ability humans have, yes. Humans have that unique ability to, to become, uh, to, to touch that dimension within themselves, which is people call it consciousness, super consciousness. Uh-oh. Anurag, did you go into the vortex? In this land, in this, in this part of um, uh, the world, India, is the way where we have seen uh, from a yogic culture perspective, uh, human mind has four parts to it. The first one is called intellect, which is, um, which is just like a, a razor sharp knife or scissors, which is all about analyzing, analyzing, analyzing. Um, the second part of human mind is an identity, which means um, I am a Hindu, I am a uh, Muslim and I'm a Christian and I'm this and that because that's your identity. If 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 intellect is the knife, then hand is the identity. Which means that if you identified, if you are identified as a good Hindu, then your knife and your scissor will only work around that identity. It won't go beyond that. You can't think beyond it. Everything you'll see from that identity. The third part of that human mind is memory. And memories throughout the body. It's everywhere. It's in the nose because my grandfather could have the same nose as, as me. Um, it could be, you know, it could be in my hair. It could be in my head. Memories all through the body. Last, which is a, the most important aspect of mind, is what we call as chitta. There is, there is nothing, uh, there is no English um, translation to it. So I just call it chitta. And chitta is um, an intelligence which is unsullied by memory. Which means that when, when people touch it, when people experience that chitta, when they touch it, they touch the divinity within themselves. And when they touch the divinity themselves over a period of time in a consistent way, then we say he or she is now moving towards enlightenment. And when, once you are in touch with that for a longer period of time and you, you become super conscious about every activity you do, then you can absolutely come out of the planets and their impact on you. So, so that's how in yoga we see as a human, as a, as a, as a person, as a, as a, as a potentially divine divinity is right there in the human. It's just that what happens is that with this intellect, with these strong identities, which makes us good Hindu, good X, good Y, and with this strong memories, which Uh, sorry about that. There seems to be an interruption on the clubhouse side. We'll be up shortly. 
And in the future shows, we'll also be doing it live from each of these stages. So we'll be uh, altering, uh, rotating from the different stages, from call-in uh, to Twitter spaces. Um, and also stay tuned for more spaces coming uh, soon. And also for those in the call-in side, if you haven't already noticed, look in the uh, description of this show and you'll be able to... Um, and yes, if you ask me, oh, how do I touch it? The, uh, the answer is, link answer is free we have points. tools in yoga culture to touch it as well. And we can talk about it as we go along. Thank you. Oh, thank you. But I thought chitta meant those little thoughts that keep going in and out of your mind that interrupt you uh, when you're in a, <laughs> in a meditation. But more importantly, someone has simmer blocked. And Simmer has been invited to the room. So I would appreciate it if the person who has Simmer blocked would unblock her so that she could get into the room. Otherwise, um, I don't know what or, I can do. Or I you can actually ask Simmer to join us on the Twitter spaces. Blocked, but I want Simmer in this room. I invited her last week. And also... Chad, what- Francine, also, if she's having trouble and no one's unblocking, we could also have her invite her to the Twitter spaces of the call-in side, and she could also be on stage there. Oh, that is a very good idea. Right. That's the way to subvert some of the people who uh, don't respectfully like to have uh, discussions with others. Yes. See, I don't believe in blocking. Yeah. Me neither. It's just not... It's just not the way... And not in other people's spaces. You know, if someone creates a public space that anyone is open to it's like trying to block me you know a guest we're all guests at your dinner party dr francine and then somebody's sitting in the driveway trying to block okay, somebody from she's parking in. Yay, she's in. Yeah. i don't do that there you are Stage looks the same to me. I don't know. <laughs> We're good. She's here. She's here. Yeah. Hey, Simmer. Hi. So again, uh, but- Francine actually went silent. I'm not sure why. Um, but welcome all because to... I, because I muted myself. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's go on to let everyone on stage. Ben, we're up to you. And then Amandeep and Kat. I'm just going in PTR order because I never do. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> hello, everybody from West Africa. I'm, I'm giving you greetings from the coup. Um, yeah, you, you know what? Uh, it's, I came in a little late here, but um, the, the only thing I wanted to say uh, about the... Um, well, first of all, the title, can we have democracy without tolerance? No. Of course, we, we, tolerance is built in. The, democracy is messy, and it requires tolerance. So that's, that's, that's a fairly, I think, a pretty obvious answer. But uh, after yesterday and the whole Whoopi Goldberg thing, it just got weird, right? Um, and, and, you know, I know Jake's Jewish, I'm Jewish. I, I'm pretty sure Dr. Francine's Jewish. So it, it's like, and in, in all three of us have worked closely doing political stuff all our lives with with our fellow African-Americans. And, and you know, there are the little, little brushes that, you know, fights that always happen. 
But at the, at the end of the day, we're all about social justice. And we're all about, uh, um, you know, helping the people who need the help. So, um, you know, I look at this thing and I thought, this thing didn't sound right to me. And, you know, when I looked into it myself, it's like, this wasn't a big a deal. It was sort of like, as Jake was saying, she was in the middle, in the context of a larger conversation. Uh, she did, you know, she probably, she misspoke. She, she was thinking out loud. We all do it. And, and when, you, when you look at her on paper, what she said wasn't, wasn't that great. It wasn't that great. But the response was, well, you know what? I, you know, I'll take a couple of weeks off to, to, to let things cool down. And, uh, and, and I'll see you in two weeks. It's like, what's the big deal? It's well, like, let, uh, first of all, I don't know what she said. And there might be other people in this room who don't there, know what. I have a sound clip. Can we get a clip? Is there a DJ in the building? If, if it's going to be anyone, it's going to yeah. be me. Yeah, work on it. Oh, anyone else can do hey. it, too. Hey, man, no, you go first. I'll, I'm just trying to back you up. <laughs> no, go for it if you have it. Up. No, no, Heyman I'm doesn't, I, you might be Heyman doesn't have it, so he's, <laughs> he's, he's, Heyman's doing five other things. Keep chatting. Let me try to help. Keep chatting. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay, look, it's, it's, I was just going to, you know, often... I'll, let me finish what I'm saying, and then I'll, I'll sit back. But it, it's it's just that um, you have to say rough. land my plane. Land, I have to land my plane. Can I can I say can I land my helicopter? Sure. I just want to go. All right, I want to land my helicopter. So um, no, I, I just want to say that it, you know brought up these really strange, toxic conversations, which are fine. You know, you got to talk through it. But it, it, it created a lot of confusion, unnecessary misunderstanding. Uh, at, the, at the end of the day, we're all, you know, the, the Whoopi, Whoopi thing, Whoopi's fine. I'm fine with Whoopi. She, she, uh, this will blow over. Uh, in the meantime, we all got to get along, work together, and focus on, on the democracy. That, that's the problem. Because <laughs> it, it seems like what she said or what she, uh, like what she said is like, there's what she said, and there's how people perceived what she said that's taking yeah. over. Well, look, here's the problem. Uh, do you want me to run the clip to help the room? Oh, do you have the clip? Yes. Yeah, yeah. run the clip. All right, let me, all right, I, I've landed my helicopter. All right, bye. Okay. Uh, no, I'm here. I'm here. And I also okay, have the transcript, too. I'll post the transcript in the meantime we, as well. Okay, and then we um, go on to Amandeep. we got to get through this list of people, and it's 1141. Okay, I'm coming in midway from a YouTube clipping of what happened, so bear with me. Here we go. Let's be truthful about it because the Holocaust One sec, one sec, sorry. Forgive me. I'm not a professional at this. If you're going to do this, then let's be truthful about it because the Holocaust isn't about race. On Monday's show, the host of ABC's The View inaccurately claimed the Holocaust was not related to race. It's... As long as... So the are we letting her finish? We uh, I wanted to hear the full. There's no full. No, context. they're actually cutting it out. That's why. <laughs> so this is Jake. Could I try to summarize in a useful way for the room? The transcript's also sure. available on the link above for others to follow through. So I, and then I want to go on to Amandeep because I think this is a total and and you know and once again it's um, my room. This is a total non-issue. I've known Whoopi Goldberg for years and years, and you have to take into account who she is as a person and not necessarily what she says on any given occasion. 
You know, it's like, this is one of those ridiculous things that is supposed to make things better and actually makes them worse. So, Jake? So, this is Jake. I I would recommend for anybody who hasn't, who's trying to get caught up on all of it, the the place I'd personally say to start with is her full Colbert uh, interview from later in the day. And, And the reason is because in it, there's a really powerful exchange where she talks about her perception of race as something that's as red on the surface, that's marked on the surface, like you just see it right away, and how that to her is distinct from the way people, the way Jews were racialized, the way Jews were were um, labeled in the not under Nazism uh, by like actually like like close going into paperwork and going into tracking and then actually putting the yellow star and how that like that is a different operation and. And the reason I say to like it's it's worth going to Colbert to that that review is because it gets to me it gets to how like she's talking to two very different processes of groups being set aside of groups being dehumanized and to me the like the the exact language of how we describe one thing and how we describe another uh, and trying to you know find some perfect way to describe everything is a lot less important than just recognizing that yes like what happened both leading into the Holocaust and the Holocaust itself, like that is, that all deserves conversation and what, how, how race operates in the U S deserves conversation. And, and where I'll land is just to say, um, and Elijah, this, this may be a room you and I could do. I, I think a really good room on the whole thing would be one that is just one by one saying, what's the added stuff. If we're going to talk about this, what else should be be ready to talk about and just, layering 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 and realizing that anytime on clubhouse we're hearing somebody reduce it down to a soundbite that there's intention behind that and there's some very very ugly anti-black rooms going on right now that are doing that and some very very ugly anti-semitism rooms that are doing that um and and i think like listening for the the use of soundbites can be one of the most powerful ways that we can come out of this uh, uh, rather than than getting stuck on was was whoopie right or wrong um, and, and again, looking at the larger picture that like there are people actively mobilizing hate um, and actively uh, and doing that through convoys and doing that through book bans. Um, and then that, that that divisive activity is the thing that bears the most uh, or that deserves the most scrutiny, in my opinion. That's me. I think the title of the room should be What's a Race? Because that's that sounds like that that's the uh, the base of this problem. Um, I'm in deep. It's your turn, dude. Thanks for waiting. Oh, no worries. Thanks so much uh, for hosting this discussion. I was informed by a friend that this is uh, this is a fruitful room to join, and uh, I think in terms of you know what constitutes democracy or what constitutes tolerance. Uh, is I mean these are very nebulous and sort of very abstract terms that don't really have uh, they don't really mean much unless we qualify them uh, you know with specific contexts and people and histories and I think in understanding um, you know who is sympathetic to an egalitarian a democratic system or a society we have to think deeply about uh, the history that they're coming from and the position that they inhabit in the current status quo in the system that exists. So the, the Whoopi Goldberg and, uh, you know, the, the entire black and Jewish 
discourse is very interesting because they both inhabit a space of disenfranchisement, dehumanization, uh, and, and a place of social death, you know, that both of the communities have uh, undergone. And so but that there's space for a healthy debate there and a healthy sort of uh, complementarity. What I find, um, you know, much more offensive and also troubling is when uh, communities and representatives of communities that have, uh, you know, very strong traditions of oppression, of otherizing, um, the, you know, the disenfranchised, the folks that don't have the political or the economic capital to, to withstand the onslaught, uh, you know, of the dominant community, um, they come up as representatives of tolerance and democracy, you know, and this is, we're not speaking in abstract terms, we're talking about uh, the, the genocidal state of India uh, and its violence against its minorities. Um, and I was kind of surprised to see that there aren't any Muslims or Sikhs in this discussion. Uh, uh, I'm trying very hard to get them. So Yeah, I mean, yeah no, that, that's I, how I... I got, I got who I got because I know who I know. So, right. So <laughs> no, I, no, I appreciate I, it. I've um, done my best, and I, I'm not the type of person who puts a finger on someone's shoulder and says, hey, are you a Muslim? You need to come to my room. Because I don't identify people like that. So, yeah, but yeah, no, yeah, I just think that. Oh, wait a minute. We have a caller on call-in. Amandeep, I'm sorry. We have to go to all three channels because cause we have three channels. Go ahead, Heyman. Uh, Lindsay, uh, on the call-in side, please. Thanks for joining us. Heyman? Lindsay? Oh, hi. Hmm. You're live. Hi, thank you. All right. May, may I finish the thought? Sorry, oh, Lindsay's on. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no sorry, one second. Lindsay's, uh, one second. Uh, sorry, hold on, Lindsay. The minority traditions of South Asia as well. Um, but I think the, the conversation is a lot more genuine, uh, you know, when you have representation. Uh, but more than representation, you have, uh, you know, a sympathetic ear to the suffering of the, the disenfranchised. Um, so uh, I'm not super, um, you know, rigid about representational calculus, um, you can still speak about uh, the disenfranchised without being disenfranchised in the exact same way. Um, but I think there's some serious introspection that we have to do in terms of institutional histories uh, of violence in a community. Uh, and democracy and tolerance, you know, are nice liberal progressive words, but they don't mean anything unless there's institutional memories uh, of praxis, you know, that, that actually uh, manifest those qualities in real life. Uh, so for somebody who inhabits, uh, you know, a colonial construct, um, you know, like any other colonial state um, that is produced through European imperialism, for example, uh, like India, where there's diversity that's extremely immense, uh, more diverse than all of Europe, more diverse than perhaps all of Africa. Oh, I read E.M. Forster, and there's like 22 different languages in India. But more, yeah, much more than that. I think uh, India or the South Asian subcontinent constitutes almost 40% of all human languages that have ever emerged uh, in history. So extremely diverse, extremely uh, rich in difference, uh, but ruled by a unitary, you know, central colonial construct of a nation state that that never existed in its history until i'm in i'm in deep i have to i have to get you i just want to finish the thought and we can move on uh if you 
if you'll yeah, because we have a, we have and Lindsay's back. Oh, and Lindsay's back. So okay, now it's gone to to a point where it could create a problem. Let, let's take Lindsay. So should I finish, or is that not allowed? <laughs> I'm just trying to understand the dynamic here. I'm okay. speaking on behalf of folks who are getting slaughtered uh, for decades, and we have representatives of the side that slaughters. Um, okay. Just- okay, that's not what we're talking about. That's totally not what we're talking about. So let's go on. So how do you have tolerance without having the the voice of those who are getting slaughtered? Dude, I have 10 minutes left in the room. I run around. The folks like Sim and Brahma. And there's all these other people. Sorry, that was me who actually did the move because it was not. Okay. And sorry, Lindsay on call inside is right there. Yes. Go go ahead. Hi. uh, Sorry, the ring. There is an echo here. Hi. Is that a problem? I'm sorry. Not at all. Okay, good. I'm just hearing it on my side. I just wanted to make a comment that I'm for um, open open free speech as much as possible. I, mean, I, think, I think tolerance means listening to uh, those viewpoints. As long as that free speech doesn't cause uh, or incite harm, right? Side violence or something like that. I think that tolerance means listening to everyone, uh, and I don't think that Whoopi should have been canceled. But I think the people that were calling for her to be canceled or um, uh, go on leave are the people that are seeing um, cancel cancelization mainly from one group, like from one side. And they're they're saying, well, this is being used against us, and so you you, you sort of have to have, if you're going to have free speech, everyone sort of has to voluntarily agree that we're going to be tolerant of even offensive speech. But if one side is constantly canceling uh, other other people, um, I think that's where people maybe on the right are thinking, oh, you know, we might as well cancel whoever we can um, as well. So that's all I wanted to say. Uh, Andrew, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys. Um, Yeah, so I think... Can, can you Yep. Sell out again. So I think one of the uh, one of the things that I would uh, say in regards to that main question, can we have the democracy without tolerance and pluralism? Is literally the only way that you can have uh, democracy that actually functions is if we have um, very very strong protections of uh, individuals and groups. Because once we make democracy about all issues, then it, it doesn't work because the reality is like we don't have a, a perfectly tolerant society. And by by its nature, if you have one group that is just bigger than the other, if we were talking like strict democracy, well, the one group that's biggest is going to vote in its interests. Right. And so as long as we have a baseline uh, level of of acceptable rights for everybody, we can have democracy where people believe all sorts of different things and we really don't have to have um, 
broad tolerance um, um, amongst the groups. I mean, you can have people with absolutely wicked points of view, so long as they can't effectuate those wicked views. You know what I mean? So that would be my thinking is, um, so, um, is that it's, it's primarily about having those, those strong protections. Yeah, uh, that is a very good point. In fact, I like that point a lot. Um, but I have to move on. Thank you, Andrew. Simmer. Hi. Hi. Um, so if the topic is just can we have democracy without tolerance, I think we have to consider what democracy in itself is, right? And it Every time that we consider democracy, we have to understand that this is something that's come out of, like, a colonial construct in most spaces, right? Um, democracy as it exists now um, in Canada or the U.S. or the U.K. Um, is not necessarily, like, what has worked for all of the people, but it's, it's a way in which... Um, the society has been organized by those that are in power and we have to understand it in that way. I think we've been under a falsehood to believe that democracy exists and it has some sort of tolerance within it. And so can it exist without tolerance? I think it currently exists without tolerance in many places. Um, and that's, that's really what it looks like in those spaces because I don't think you have tolerance towards indigenous folks um in canada well not when you're pulling out bodies of those that are dead um, um children that have passed away through the way in which state-sponsored violence works in canada right i don't think that that shows any sort of um tolerance but it's considered a democracy. And then we have the U.S. that still has not even identified um, the ways in which it's caused harm to Indigenous folks and massacred so many, right? And and continues to pretend it's a democracy, even though it only recently has given out um, voting rights to to populations that um, have have lived within the U.S. prior to the U.S. becoming the U.S., right? You know, um, that, so that is a very good point, Simmer. And I, I'm going to cut you off because there's five more people and it's 11.56. But I do want to say um, that, you're, that I, I agree with you. Uh, I agree with everybody about India, the United States, and Canada we all have a way to go. And there's probably another room that to come that I don't know whether I'll be able to have or not called what would work better than democracy to heal all these injustices. Because boy, I am not overlooking the fact that we have lots of injustices. I just, you know, grew up thinking democracy was the best way to handle them. And it could be that that is not true. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to entertain that as a point of view. Etymology of tolerance before Simmer got here, and it talks about enduring pain. So the, all of the painful things that you described, um, yeah, so you cannot have democracy without tolerance, without enduring pain. If that's all we can get away with right now, you can't you can't have one without the other because yeah it's painful. Thank you, Kat. Did you want to say something? Yeah. So I wanted to dovetail off of what Simmer said. First of all, in the United States, we do not have a democracy 
we have a republic. If we had a democracy, we would not have the electoral college, which basically allows a minority percentage of people to subjugate the will of the of the majority of people. So we don't have a democracy. And secondly, I agree as a mother of my, my uh, ex-husband uh, is a registered uh, indigenous person. My three sons have bloodlines of nine different separate tribes in the Central Coast uh, indigenous people. And people do not even realize growing up in California history, um, you know, we glorified the Catholic uh, missionaries and nobody ever taught anyone about the fact that at one point in the 1800s, the United States federal government owed the state of California more than $12 million for reimbursement for body parts, including ears, nose, and scalps of, of indigenous people. And until we start to have that education in every single state and understand it, um, it's going to be really hard to have tolerance. And uh, right now, females in on Native American reservations are disappearing disappearing at a disproportionate, substantially disproportionate number, and no one seems to care about that. So yeah, I live in we, Arizona, we, so I'm yes. familiar with that issue. And, and we actually, the social justice warriors that also live in Arizona, have been trying to get that recognized. So you're, you are totally... You are totally right. You know, the, um, the, and the other part of it is, you know, so I have a lot of empathy. I, I'm helping support uh, black women in film. And um, I've helped coach a number of people uh, that are in, that are filmmakers. And what's so frustrating is I feel like the our own indigenous people who were here before anybody else, and they seem to have hardly a voice or a place at the table um, and if you read, like, I think it's Black Eagle Speaks, nearly every single agreement that indigenous uh, negotiations were made with the U.S. federal government, I think it's almost like 98 to 100 percent of those agreements were broken, including what Jackson did and uh, President Jackson just massacring people. So I think we need to, you know, you can't tame it till you name it. We can't correct and reset humanity until we acknowledge what happened in the in the, the larger scheme of things and how people were impacted and have some empathy towards those people. And I'll land my plane. Thank you, Kat. That's you know, I, I'm totally at a loss for where to go from here to go back far enough to figure out how how to lay bare these injustices because of course we don't think in terms of history brahma thank you for being so patient brahma did you yes. want to speak yeah i just wanted to say just a couple of words and uh, the tolerance uh, is completely missing you know whatever happened in the past is past i think we're much more intelligent enlightened human being we should be open to uh criticism critique you know let people examine our practices our habits let them make comments uh, miss uh, this um the comment a couple of days back by this lady and the reaction was horrible you cannot say anything for example about some islamic practices that is called you islamophobe 
you cannot say anything about Israel and Jewish people. You'll be labeled as anti-Semitic. Give us some freedom, human freedom, intelligent freedom. Don't label everything, dismiss anything, or disparage anything as anti-Semitic or uh, Islamophobe or any phobe. I think we have lost the depth, the intellectual quest as human civilizations. Thank you. Boy, that was, okay, that reflected my own views. So thank you very much. Robert, uh, you want to Dr. Be Francine, next? this is Jake. Could I respond to that briefly? Sure. So speaking as a Jewish person and also as a person in the U.S. and as a person who's centered in white supremacy and lots of other things, I think it's worth noting that uh, we in the U.S., like right now, we're experiencing ongoing reestablishment of white supremacy in ways that when it gets called out, uh, there's an immediate pushback. So we can, you, if you roll back through the news media, you'll see that when, when we collectively were labeling the rise of voting laws, of, of vote suppression laws as Jim Crow 2.0, that that got shut down. That got a whole lot of concern trolling about, is that, is that too harsh on things? Uh, and, and, and the reason I'm adding this in is, is rather than directly say to, that I disagree with some of what was just said about you can't claim you can't criticize blank without being called blank, right? I, like, I, I agree that there's all kinds of reactivity and reactionaryism and the, and I also want to really clearly center there's, there's a U.S. politician, uh, a, I believe member of Congress who just recently, um, uh, tweeted out the claim to find out who rules in a country, uh, uh, look to who you can't criticize, etc. He claimed that that was a Voltaire quote. It is actually a white nationalist Nazi quote from Stormfront. Uh, and, and, and the reason I'm interrupting this way, and I hope that it's heard, is that like I'm, I, I as a Jewish person, I get concerned about anti-Semitism. I get concerned about uh, Israel stuff. I also am aware uh, of the way that, that anti-Semitism gets slapped in different directions and gets, and gets uh, caught up into the anti-blackness, caught up in other things. Um, anybody who's heard me talk about how I think uh, Clubhouse screwed over Lakeith Stanfield uh, hopefully understands where I'm coming from on that. Uh, so I, I just wanted to, to intercept that. Um, and hopefully, hopefully that's useful stuff to put on the table. Thank you for the space. Thank you, Jake. Everything is useful to put on the table. Um, Robert, and then Rick is going to, Rick is going to take us home. Thank you, Dr. Francine. <clears throat> you know, in, in hearing many things today about whether we have uh, tolerance and whether we have a democracy, those are all good points. Uh, I think one thing, though, that's super important right now is what we do have in terms of voting, in terms of the rights of minorities, in terms of due process, uh, and many other related things that are foundation of our way of life here are pretty well established and in many ways work very well. I mean, we do have recourse in the court. There's courts of appeals. There's Supreme Court decisions that protect minorities, et cetera, et cetera. We have, you know, by far, I mean, by no means a perfect system. By no means is this a, an altogether tolerant society. There's a great deal of intolerance here. But we do have something really valuable in this country that 
supports our way of life and our freedom to even have conversations like this to go about our daily life without being absolutely terrorized by uh, renegade forces and, and an absolutely repressive government. Now, well, the reason why I bring up renegade forces and an absolutely repressive government is we came very close to having that on January 6th of last year. I'm telling you, if, um, you know, if Trump and uh, Trump and other congressmen's plans had been successful to block uh, the vote count and overturn our government, we wouldn't, you know, we would be looking at a much more serious situation. I don't want to live in a country that they propose to create, which is a country that would have stripped us of many essential rights, would have restricted our ability to communicate, would have been extremely oppressive, and would probably have called out renegade forces in the form of these millions of, uh, you know, militia members and like-minded people who are armed to the teeth and could easily outgun all of our police forces and half of our military should they really act in concert with each other. So, in fact, I think our biggest concern right now regarding democracy that we have uh, a good portion of here, not perfect, uh, and tolerance is that, you know, we all need to act to preserve what we have because kind of when you turn the corner on a busy street in Manhattan, once you turn the corner, uh, you don't see where you were anymore. It's all ahead of you. And once you lose de democratic institutions, it's impossible to get them back uh, without, you know, an absolute gun battle that the forces to preserve democracy would probably lose at that point. So it's much easier to preserve something than to regain it if it's lost. And I think we all really need to pay attention to that as a very high priority. And I'm Robert, and I'm done talking for now. Thank you. Thank you. Rick? Yeah, thank you very much, Dr. Francine. This has been a great room. Eli, the stuff that I learned today um, from everybody, and I think Elijah really said that we have to be accepting. And to me, everything starts with accepting. We have to accept that other people are going to have different li different ideas, different cultures, different religions than ourselves. So we just have to accept that. Yeah, because tolerance is really one of the lower stages is what we're really understanding. It's the anger part. It's like, ah! Yeah, and, and <laughs> there's, there's, one, there's one thing that we should not tolerate, and that is hatred or any race. But we have to. As black people, we have to tolerate it. So when white people talk about tolerance, they're talking about, I don't know what they're just looking at black people. I have to tolerate looking at your, at your blackness. But black people have to tolerate shit that actually is painful. And that is the root word of tolerance. Boy, I'm so sorry I chose that word because I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, I'm, a, you know, it's, it not, it's not to really attack you. It's just like, I just, I just, you know, I thought about this word and I was like, and I actually, I probably should have just called you and, and talked to you about it because I did think about it and I was just like, and then I'm like, oh, we're here. And then I'm, you know, but, but I realized that it, it is a triggering word for me because, and a lot of black people, because that's what it feels like. Oh, okay. Thanks for tolerating me. Peace and love, MLK, yay, Black History Month. Thanks for tolerating or enduring the pain of seeing blackness or having to live in proximity to blackness. 
that's you know that's what it feels like so acceptance is a is a higher level of that you know you're at least delving into love <laughs> maybe a lower level of love but but it's not even a, our words are just stuck it's not it's not most people are not splitting words the way that I do but I I just I just do that and and it's and it's perfectly within your right um Rick, were you finished? Um, yeah, what I, what I was going to say is the one thing that we cannot tolerate, especially those of us with privilege, is the hatred. We just can't tolerate it. We can't tolerate anybody saying that they are superior to any other human being. But here's the thing. A lot of white people accept that. Tolerated means that it is painful. So they would have to endure, you know what I mean? You know, it's like, they, that means that they would have to endure the pain. They, if, you know, white, white, um, like when white people inflict pain on black people, a white person has a choice of whether they want to feel for that or not. That's a choice. Okay. Um, let's, let's. Well, I, I've learned a lot from this room. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. And, and so have I, and that's what I love about these rooms. Love these rooms. Um, all of you should claim your free karma coin. Uh, it's very important. Professor, you, you are going to be our last word. Well, um, thank you. I, I was listening to this room for a long time. And I grew up in Indian subcontinent. Uh, in fact, I grew up in three countries. The countries are divided into three parts now. So I'll tell you where and how does hate comes. Hate, hate comes. So I um, um, in McGill, I am in, in a department where I, you know, in Canada, we get a lot of refugee students, actually. When the refugee students comes and tells, tells us that he was in class 12th in let's say in Bangladesh, or he was in class uh, uh, in first year of college in Pakistan. So what we try to do is that we try to see his, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm in a department of humanities, human studies, history, political science, and religion studies. So we try to see what did this kid study in Pakistan, India, or Bangladesh. We look at his history books. I'm in that department. And I speak and understand the, some of the subcontinent language. In fact, I speak uh, Bengali, Urdu, and Hindi. I also read those three languages. I know how to read them. So uh, what I've seen some countries, like I'll definitely name those country names, like uh, one of the countries, Pakistan. You'll surprise to know what those kids study in as part of their um, regular syllabus, in history syllabus. Like uh, uh, this is a, uh, this uh, as part of Islamic studies in Pakistan, they study that Jewish people, it's clearly written. In fact, I have shared this link with some other people. You can go and check out in Google, actually. Jewish people are the most cunning people, and Hindus are nothing but banyas. Banyas means uh, cunning businessmen kind of people. And uh, Muslim people are the most honest people. Um, so imagine if this goes uh, to a class 7, this goes to an 8, 9, 10 years old boy's mind or girl's mind, where you, you are, that's the way you develop your ideas, you develop your critical critical thinking. So what impression when you grow up as an adult, what impression you have on other religion, other other societies, other culture. 
So uh, that's a problematic thing, actually. We, uh, so this kind of problematic thing is taught many parts of the world, actually. I, I can think of this is being taught in a, um, a chart, this is being taught in a mosque. I, I, can, uh, I can give the benefit of doubt to them. But when a state board, when a country's education board teaches this kind of subject, that's where the problem lies. And so whatever you can do, you can, um, we can uh, tell that equality and respecting, all these things. But if these kind of things are mainlined, a kid studies from class 3, class 4, class 5, and, and not that alone. And generation of kids, like 50, 60 years, are studying this kind of stuff. Imagine when they grow up, what's going to happen. And this is the fact, and this is the reality. This is what we need to protest against. This is the, what we need to speak against. Um, thank you for giving me time. Thank you. And thank you for coming up and speaking. And, and I know you're right. This is all, all of this hate is instilled in people very early on. And then they don't even understand that it's being instilled in them. And I'd like to thank all of you for coming. It's very interesting how how um, much there is to discuss around this and how deep the disagreements um, seem to be. And that's why I want you all to remember that the name of this club is the Karma Club. And the idea is to look at people with love and not hate. And I look at people with love all the time. And that's why um, I want you to claim <laughs> your free karma coins. I want you to have a happy memory of me and the room and, um, and the ability of educating each other. Even if some of us don't come in here with a lot of respect uh, for each other, um, we can at least leave saying, gee, that was a smart person. I didn't agree with a word that he said, but he was certainly a smart person. Um, so until next week, thank you, Heyman. Thank you, everybody, for showing up. I love you all. I love having these rooms. And we're going to have more um, Black History Month rooms throughout February. I'll be ending the room now. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, Dr. Francine. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks all for joining us also on Call and Twitter Spaces. Take care.